Aloha, and welcome to SUP FM, the podcast for stand-up paddleboarders everywhere. So with no further ado, let's get out on the water and on with the show. Here are your hosts, Nick and Simon. Aloha, Nick. Aloha. I always find it kind of amusing to use Hawaiian language when we're not in Hawaii. Yeah, I know. I know it really annoys you, which is uh, why <laughs> I always say it. But, um, but the reason for the podcast today is possibly going to be in two parts, maybe even three. But we've got a very exciting event, which you're organizing out there. Yes, thrilling event. Thrilling event. So, so it's the Guardiana Challenge. And um, I've got a, a peripheral involvement with it. But, but tell us just quickly as an overview uh, what it is. Well, firstly, I'd like to thank you for your involvement with it, Simon. Um, from Hutch Subway, you guys are donating for 15 Wickaway T-shirts with uh, logos and all on. So I'm really looking forward to those arriving, well, which would be great. That's a pleasure. That's a pleasure. When I, when I saw it, um, it just looked so exciting. Couldn't help but but get involved. And I'm just sorry that I'm not going to be there in person, but I certainly will be next year. Great. Well, the Guadalajara Challenge, in a nutshell, is basically a 32-kilometer paddle down the Guadiana River, which forms the eastern border of Spain and Portugal. It starts really early in the morning of the Saturday, 28th of March, and we will be paddling from Mertla, which is a fairly remote town in the Alentejo province, down towards a town called Alcutin, which actually um, ends up in the Algarve. So we're crossing the borders between the two provinces. We're on the border between Portugal and Spain, and we're in the middle of nowhere because there are hardly any villages around that area. So it's going to be quite challenging. Excellent. And, um, and how did you come up with the idea? I really wanted to try and promote stand-up paddle in the Algarve because I didn't feel that there was enough in the, in the eastern regions of the Algarve. I mean, it's big in Lagos, which is in the western coast. Um, and I really wanted to promote it. And, and there, there doesn't seem to be much going on down here in the Algarve. There are a lot of races further up north. Um, there was a race down in the Algarve last year, but it was cancelled because of lack of attendance or lack of lack of interest, really. Yeah. So um, my intention with it is to try and, and build it up over time. But at the moment, it's just a great way to get um, some of the professional and amateur paddlers in Portugal together for a bit of networking and a serious challenge. Well, I mean, it sounds really exciting. And, and stand-up paddleboarding is still very much in its infancy, although starting to see a sort of coming together. I know that there's a Euro Tour this year as well. Um, but just, just to sort of bring things back a bit, um, I know that uh, this podcast listen, is listened to all over the world. Um, so just to um, let those people who don't quite know where Portugal is, could you just explain where it is in terms of, of Europe? It's the southwestern corner of Europe. It's bordering. It has. It's a very long, rectangular country. Whether its westernmost coast, which which goes all the way down, is the Atlantic coast. Mm. Um, and we're not actually in the Mediterranean. A lot of people think we're in the Mediterranean, but we're not. So we have these wonderful Atlantic breezes, which clears it up. Often on the Mediterranean, you'll find summer gets really hazy and you get white skies. Yeah. But in Portugal, you have this incredible blue. It's like almost like a China blue from Wedgwood blue skies, which uh, it's amazing. So um, 
I mean, Portugal is absolutely spectacular. The landscape's spectacular as well. I mean, this isn't a sort of Portuguese tourist board thing, although that would probably benefit you because obviously um, your business is situated down in the south, which is the Algarve, which has amazing sunshine and, you know, amazing landscape. But you, you've got a sort of slightly leafy, greeny part up north. But uh, one of the things that would interest quite a few of our listeners is the uh, the wave profile um, the surf opportunities, particularly to the north of the country. Just you were telling me a bit um, about that off microphone earlier on. Just tell me a bit about those huge waves that you get. Everybody thinks that Hawaii is the wave capital of the world, and it is obviously. But um, and one would automatically think that the largest waves in the world would occur in Hawaii. But recently, a chap called Garrett McNamara arrived in Portugal and discovered this channel it's an underwater channel that stretches in from the atlantic coast north of lisbon and it ends up in a town called nazare and it funnels these huge atlantic swells in and he's written the biggest wave in the world there i don't think he's the current world record holder of the largest wave ever surfed but nazare the spot certainly is and it's not just nazare it's all the way down the west coast of portugal you have incredible waves throughout the season uh, and yeah, you mentioned the tourist board earlier. They're really pushing waves at the moment in surf tourism. Um, so the nice thing about SUP, though, is that obviously we don't need waves to have fun. We can we can paddle on, on rivers and lakes and, and coastal lagoons. And the Algarve has that in spades. And we've got a 60-kilometer coastal lagoon. I mean, I could talk about the five major areas where we paddle a little bit later. But um, Well, no, no, tell me about it now. I think... Um, before we talk about the Guadiana Challenge specifically, because that obviously uses one key area, just just share, um, you know, the, the diversity of opportunities for SUP down in uh, in southern Portugal. Okay, obviously, as I mentioned, there are the waves on the western coast, which is also in the Algarve. But um, the, where we paddle with Algarve SUP, that's my company, we paddle in lakes. There are lots of lakes uh, buried deep in the mountains, and normally in the middle of summer. There are tons of tourists in, in the Algarve, and I think it's got quite a big name for, for tourism in summer. And you just see these high-rise hotels on the ocean and millions and millions of people. Yeah, most, the uh, nice thing... Loads of Brits there, certainly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Football hooligans on tour. Yeah, lovely. <laughs> but no, we also have different types of tourism as well. There's obviously a, a very varied array of tourism. And the nice thing about stand-up paddle is you can get away from all of that and still experience the incredible weather because these lakes are, are hidden in the mountains. And, uh, you know, you can paddle for 30 kilometers along the, the lakes. What's that, about 20 miles, huh? Yep, yep, something like that. Okay. Um, so there are the lakes, and then there's a, a river system in the, middle of Port in the middle of the Algarve, which we paddle down as well, which is a tidal river system. And then the coastline, which you referred to briefly earlier, we have amazing um, cliffs that plunge directly into the ocean and create coastal caves. Um, and if you check out our blog, there's some videos about um, the coastal caves around that we've paddled into, and they are supremely spectacular. They, they are. So, I mean, it's it, it's something that uh, really stuck out for me. And, uh, and next time I'm down there, we'll, we'll certainly have to have an explore because it just looks absolutely beautiful. Yeah, and I recommend that if you don't know how to paddle, you get a lesson first before you go out into the coastline. Because absolutely. I'm not, it's quite. Um, you get waves that come in and off. They bounce in and off the off the cliffs, and it makes things a little tricky sometimes. And other times, it's just perfectly mirror-like and flat. So, 
you never know what you're going to get. So the four, those are the three regions. Uh, the fourth region, we have a coastal lagoon system that stretches from Faro, where generally people land by at the airport, all the way east towards Spain. It's a 60-kilometer-long coastal wetland, which is just filled with paddle opportunities. Wow. That, and the, sorry, sorry, sorry. Carry on. Yeah, you go ahead. <laughs> uh, well, shut up. <laughs> I was getting too excited there. That's the problem. That's great. Excitement is awesome, isn't it? I, I, I was thinking about maybe that's an opportunity to commute from the uh, airport to wherever you're staying. Well, and actually, I do that. To be honest, I paddle around the airport to the beach because there's a beach at the one end of the of the coastal lagoon and um, the marina is where we start off. So if I paddle from the, marina, the marina to the beach, I have to go around the airstrip. Right. And it's hilarious because the airport is smack bang in the middle of a natural park, which is probably not the best place for it, <laughs> but it's there. Anyway, the fifth region is the Guadiana River Basin. And as I mentioned earlier, that forms the eastern border of Portugal and Spain. And there are a couple of large dams around there as well, which we can paddle on. So, yeah, we've got a lot of a lot of great space to work with. Well, that sounds absolutely amazing. I mean, the diversity is fantastic. Um, I mean, uh, where I'm, I live on the south coast of England. We've got we've got some diversity, but nothing approaching that. And certainly, you know, the length of the the paddle, you know, that that you've got available to you, you know. It's just incredible. So, but just Simon, sorry, just a quick thing about England. You know, you guys have got a large amount of rainfall compared to ours. So, surely you've got tons of lakes and rivers and canals to paddle in. Um, we we have, and it depends where you are as to you know where the opportunities are. I mean, where um, where I am, I'm I'm sort of right the way down south. So we've got fairly sheltered area of the Solent to paddle in. Um, and, and we do have rivers, so you know we're not too badly off, I suppose. I think where we don't do so well, typical British conversation is the weather, and it is really, <laughs> and it is really changeable. So I know that we've been having um, various conversations, mostly you telling me about how lovely the weather is, and, and me sort of um, getting a little bit uh, funny about it. But um, oh, it's been incredible this year. It's been yeah, absolutely right. incredible. This year. Yeah, right. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the sun is shining, so I'm going to go out and take a photo of it in a minute. But um, so, um, just rapidly um, bringing ourselves back to the Guadiana challenge. Um, so, what? Um, so, you said it, it was um, 32 kilometers, I think. What, what, That's what, correct. So, what sort of so challenges does that create for uh, you know for the people taking part? Well, obviously, the length is, is extra long, um, 32 kilometers. We're thinking about doing a marathon length, which would be 42 kilometers, 26 miles. Wow. Uh, but that just doesn't really work. Because it's so remote, we, we have to work between the towns. Um, so Mertler, the, the start town is Mertler, and the end town is Alcoting, and it's 32 kilometers between that. That's that's why it turned out like that. Um, and some of the challenges because uh, I did a, a preliminary run last year on the on the Guadiana um, and some of the challenges that we encountered was you know wind is obviously always a factor when you're paddleboarding and it can turn at any instant and if you hit a strong headwind it's really going to hurt you on, on a 32 kilometer run also the tide actually reaches that far up it's about 70 kilometers upstream from the ocean so the tide actually affects us as well and you can paddle against a current and 
you know, the, the, just the remoteness as well and the length of, uh, of, of the challenge will make it quite challenging. Wow. I mean, that, that, sounds, that sounds, you know, if, if things aren't working in the right direction for you, potentially you could spend six to, take, six to eight hours paddling in exactly the, the same spot. I know that, that there's also problems around about that time of year with flow and water volumes as well. That's correct, yeah, because the largest dam in Europe, uh, the Alkeva Dam, is upstream from us, quite a ways upstream, but occasionally they let out a bunch of water, and that obviously affects the water levels. So um, the nice thing about it is that there are no rapids, um, and there are no really low water levels, so uh, we should be good. And I tell you what, the nicest thing about it is that I don't really know what's going to happen. We've got a VHF radio in case of safety, so none, um, but the thing is what, we ho what we're focusing on is the fact that it's a challenge and it's an adventure, and we're all going to look after each other. There's 15 of us going down. Well, that sounds fantastic. So, so tell us a bit about some of the participants, because I know you've got people from every sort of scale of SUP experience going along. Yeah, it's crazy, because these guys phoned me up the other day when, we was, when I was organizing it, and they said, um, hi, I'd like to paddle the Guadiana Challenge. I said, okay, no problem. Have you paddled before? And they said, no. I said, well, you know, this isn't really a beginner thing. You know, you, I said, yeah, oh, no, 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 but we can learn, we can learn. And so I sold them a board. They've started paddling and we're going to try and make a video because one of the guys is a video editor. So we're going to try and make a video of his story, how he started paddleboarding. And he just started with this Guadiana challenge. But the other guys involved, the, we were really lucky to get the number one Portuguese paddle, uh, paddler. Yeah. And there's a race. Yeah, there's a series of six races every year in Portugal, and he won the, the tournament, the, you know, when they combi all combined, and he won that last year in 2014. Um, and there's quite a few of his mates as well coming along, so they're all in the top 10. And another chap called Tiago Silva, who I haven't met yet, but he trains Connor Baxter wow. and Sean Pointer and some of the other chaps on... He's got a great... He's got a company called Functional Paddling, actually, and he, he, that's his job is to train the pros. Do you know? So do you know what Nick? I think I've seen him on YouTube. You probably have. Yeah. 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 Probably have. Yeah. yeah. Wow, no, that's, that's um, incredible. You know, it's great to have these these top paddlers in Portugal. So hopefully we can learn lots from them, which would be exciting. Wow, that sounds spectacular. I'm even more sorry that I'm missing it now. Yeah. Well, there's also four girls coming down as well, which is great to have a, a female contingent. Um, and so some of them are also great paddlers and others are just social amateur paddlers so it's going to be a fun day it really is it's going to be a challenging fun day well it sounds absolutely spectacular i'm very jealous um of that in addition to the weather so i'm stacking them up there um so is it is it just the race or have you got anything else going on um around it and what are the well plans? we will we will have a dinner afterwards that night i think everyone will be fairly exhausted um for those people who are staying behind, we'll definitely have a dinner and, and a catch-up and a net, bit of networking because everybody loves to talk about stand-up paddle. It's, uh, it's nice to compare kit lists and, uh, you know, because all the guys are in the industry as well and they're selling different boards and it's nice, it's nice to get together and just chat about business as well. And I think it's really great at the moment because it's such a comparatively new sport. Um, I think everyone you know, knows each other or knows someone who knows someone else. So, you know, getting the guy who trains Connor Baxter, you know, to come and take part just shows how accessible and how open it is. It really feels like it's it's sort of 
early days of something that's going to be very big. Absolutely. It's a wonderful feeling, isn't it? Um, just You did mention about kit list. So if, if I was taking part in the Guardiana Challenge, what, what sort of stuff would you recommend that I would bring along for the, for the day just to manage? Because I, I know it's six to eight hours and and in the lovely weather that you're, you're getting, um, you know, obviously that there are all sorts of additional challenges, logistical challenges in there as well. Sure. Well, the weather's changeable. Um, I'm not sure it might be hosing down with rain. You never know because um, it's spring still. So, you know, one day out of every 150 might get rain here. But... Uh, the, uh, Simon, what would you take if you were going down the Guadiana Challenge? What would I take? Well, I'd take a, well, I mean, a, you've got to be prepared for everything, haven't you? I, I guess um, a, a decent sized dry bag. Um, you need to make sure that, uh, that you've got all your sun protection. Um, I've had a particular problem over the last 12 months with losing hats. So, um, uh, you know, if, if I sort of hit a sandbank or or get too engrossed in a conversation and uh, end up coming off my board, um, then you know having some sort of uh, clip to attach my my hat and my sunglasses. I think you know that's that's something that I've suffered with particularly. Um, some protection I've, I've talked about, and obviously hydration as well. Um, and you can either bring you know plenty of plenty of water with you, which obviously is good, but um, also, there are, there are these little bottles, which I've just discovered, which have a little filter at the bottom. So that would be particularly good for keeping weight down. Um, you just uh, I've just discovered those as well. They're great. Yeah. They're amazing. I mean, they they're only cost about you know, £20, about the $30. And, uh, you know, it, it's just ridiculous. The only problem is, is you, you know, the ones that I've got, you've got to suck, suck the water out with a straw. So you kind of feel like your head's going to explode at, at, at some <laughs> points. And if you want to use the water to make a cup of tea, um, then it's not very nice for the other person who's having the, the tea, knowing it's come through your mouth already. But um, anyway, it, it's... Um, it, it, but have you ever tried it with filthy water? Uh, do you know what? I haven't been courageous enough. To, I got it over the... Over the um, um, over the winter and because I, I'm planning to do a, a bit of a, a solo or a, a duo trip down the Thames and the Thames water is notoriously horrific um, so um, I was planning to use it there so I, I haven't been quite courageous enough to use it yet but um, but yeah I will just, a, just about the Thames quickly um, have you heard of 42.org.uk and uh, Active360 and the London Marathon I've heard of Active 360. I haven't heard about the London Marathon. I think it's the 25th of June. I'm not sure exactly on the date, but they're doing um, a marathon, a 42-kilometer or 26-mile paddle all the way along the Thames. And it's for colon cancer, which is fantastic. So hopefully we can find some details on that and plug that for them. Absolutely. I mean, if, you know, lots of you guys out there are in the UK, so... Go on and join up. Let's do it. We'll, we'll, put a, we'll put a link on the show notes. Brilliant idea. Fantastic. Good. Back to the kit list. Um, I think what is also important for the Guadiana Challenge competitors is to take, or participants, because it's not a race, although it might become a race, you never know, is some food as well, because we'll be paddling over lunch and obviously we'll get quite hungry. Most of the guys have been asking me as well, what kind of board should they bring? And I'm suggesting a touring board, not a race board. Because the race boards, you know, you won't have much place for your kit. Yeah. Although they could have a backpack as well. So, 
you know, obviously race boards will be easier to paddle 32 kilometers. So, so you just fit the, the uh, barbecue on the front, a little bit of charcoal in a dry bag, um, yeah. a, a trolling yeah. line out behind, and uh, the jobs are good in. We were actually, because there's another South African coming down, um, she's from Kashkaj in near Lisbon, and we were joking about bringing our portable braai, as we call barbecues. Yeah. And that might be quite a nice idea, actually. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, stop by the side and uh, have a little bit of a cookout. Yeah, for sure. Good. Okay, so it, it's coming up in, you know, as we talk now in what, a couple of weeks' time, something like that. Yep. 28th of March uh, 2015. Um, so what are your plans after the event? Um, what's it, you know, how do you think this is going to develop? Because it's not just a one-off, is it? No, I'd like to turn this into a yearly event. And I think that um, obviously it's very difficult to predict the future. And the reason we're doing this now is just as a test run. Um, and it's really fantastic that we've got sponsors like you on board. Um, Hutchsupware.com. It's got to plug you guys. Huh. Keep going. <laughs> um, also, there's Birch Photography who are supporting us as well. They're taking some video. They've got a drone, which is Everybody loves a drone. Oh, very they? exciting. Yeah. Um, so they'll be taking photographs. Uh, and we'll be doing a few video interviews and we'll try and make a decent video afterwards just to explain what it's all about. Um, but the future, I'd love to turn it into a race, like a marathon race. Um, and also it might be an interesting, an interesting idea to try and get some of the guys on, on the European tour to come around and practice in Portugal before, before, the, re before the race season. Uh, because, you know, obviously with our weather and our conditions here, it's just the perfect place to train, and it's really cheap to live. Um, so, you know, it would be nice to organize that with the Guadiana Challenge as a culmination of maybe a week or two weeks training down here. Absolutely. I mean, certainly for European paddlers, and, and certainly for us stuck up in the north of Europe, sort of Britain, Scandinavia, and so on, um, you know, it, it's nice to have a bit of a change. It's nice to have that, that warm weather and... Uh, you know, as you said earlier on, you've got so much diversity of location. It, you know, you could, you know, if the if it, if a certain training regime isn't working out, then you can go and try something else, some somewhere else within a sort of fairly um, tight radius. Exactly, and there's also other great places in Portugal to paddle. You know, we've got lots of friends with different uh, paddleboard companies around the country, and you know, they could spend a couple of days there and a couple of days with us. So there's lots of lots of things we could do. Excellent. And just finally, just to finish off the plugs for, for Portugal, um, the flights into the Algarve, um, because obviously it's a big tourist area, are, are pretty reasonable. And certainly I know that, you know, it might be different, obviously it is different from the, the uh, coming from the States and so on, but certainly from other areas of Europe, um, you know, there are all of those cheap f flights and um, and I've seen some flights for about you know thirty pounds. What um, I don't know, fifty yeah, dollars, fifty euros, yeah, you know, fifty euros, something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, to to get over there. So it really is a, a very reasonable destination to get to, as well as to to um, to to stay at. And the good thing is that Ryanair has a hub down in Faro, our, our local airport here. Uh, so that makes things a lot easier for people to get into as well. I mean, there's obviously not just Ryanair flying into Faro. There's all kinds of... And within the UK, there's tons of different places that fly in. You know, not, it's not just London. 
there's Birmingham, Manchester, all kinds of, mm. of places that fly in, and also obviously all the way along Europe. So it's a very easy to get to place, and as you said, it's a very cheap flight. Good. Well, this has been very Eurocentric, probably a bit British centric, but we can only apologise from um, from being British and uh, and Portuguese, <laughs> stroke South African. In there. Well, it'd be great to have Americans over here as well. It's just more of a trek across the Atlantic. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But um, plenty to come from America in, in subsequent podcasts. Good, right. Right, well, um, any anything else, Nick? Any Anything to add? No, just thanks once again. And it's, it's great to chat about the Guadiana Challenge. I'm really looking forward to the event. And I'm also looking forward to reporting back in our second part of this podcast. Fantastic. I, I can't wait either. And, and I'm really interested to see whether or not the racing guys are going to go off full speed. I, I, I suspect they, they might. But, um, but I think however, whatever level of skill you are, I think it's going to be really interesting, the conditions. And, uh, you know, it's just such a spectacular place. I would encourage you to, to go and check out um, the website to have a look at a few photos of the area because it's just absolutely stunning and I am insanely jealous that I can't be there but as I said next year it's going to be a different story yeah the websites that you could check out are um, hatchsupware.com which I'm sure you'll have a report on there and algarvesup.com brilliant well thanks very much Nick for that and um, wish you all the best for the event alright thanks a lot Simon speak to you later bye bye